Welcome to the One More Rep Podcast, where you take it beyond the barbell. I am your host, Modingo, and with me is my man, my dude, bro, bro flex. <laughs> he really overkilled that one. He owes me for about seven or eight episodes. Of yeah, where I just cut him off, yeah. But What's up, Mo? How what? you doing, man? I, I am glorious. It's actually nice and cool up here in One More Rep Podcast Studios, as, <laughs> aka the uh, Kid Zone at CrossFit Access in Vandalia, uh, It's Ohio. a loft. We're adults. Oh, my bad. My bad. Okay. But like Stu said, he'd want to kick it one of them bean bags and just yeah. chill up here. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> so again, you know, if you didn't listen to our last episode, we had that interview with Stu, Stu Brower of uh, What the Fuck Jim Talk. Uh, really good, candid conversation just about state of the fitness industry and just really good conversation overall. And candid is being very ni- <laughs> nice. That's a good way of putting it. But what are you drinking, Mo? I am we drinking. We got to tell the listeners. Uh, I am drinking some cold brew from Warehouse 4. Warehouse 4, what's up? What is up? I mean, come on. We drink, we, we're talking about you guys like almost every other episode. Every episode. And just because Jenna messed up our sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the outtakes for that. We had it, Mo, and yeah. she screwed it up. We, yeah, we, we, were, we were about to put pen to paper and boom. 32 episodes. So it's worth, about the worth of work. Yeah. Gone. All gone. Because of a little road rage. <laughs> Before we get started I know, I've here. I've seen a package. <laughs> Mo walked in with a package. Oh, I, it looks like a shirt. I have something from a friend of mine, a Facebook friend of mine, uh, Pamela Toombs, who is out of yes, San Diego. I've seen that. She, uh, we're Facebook friends. She's also a fellow hip replacement uh, hippie, as well as a CrossFitter, and more importantly, a breast cancer survivor, so a way to kick breast cancer in the ass there, Pam. That's awesome. And she goes to Troy CrossFit in San Diego. And give a shout out to their owners, Derek, Vinay, and Hector. And Pam was nice enough to send us some shirts. So I uh, was able to pick them out. And we all know that bro loves the three quarters. Oh, So I got. It's not blue. (laughs) It's not blue. It is three quarters. That's sick. And I asked her to send that one for bro. And I just had the nice uh, feather gray one. So huge shout out to Troy CrossFit. Representing SoCal, and we will we will proudly rock these. So, thanks a lot. Yeah, I really it. appreciate it. That's cool. Hey, it's our first shirt. I'm just saying, guys. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I mean, hey, you get what you say? Yeah, keep sending shirts. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. You know, guys, uh, I do wear a large. Um, <laughs> every about five months, I'll I'll shrink down to a medium. <laughs> All right, so just a few housekeeping items before we start this next episode. Uh, we're going to do our little bit different this time. We're going to do our call to action up front. So, bro, why don't you tell me what this week's call to action is? So, this week's call to action, though, I thought it was pretty cool to maybe revisit one of your favorite episodes that we've recorded so far. I mean, because we're basically veterans of the <laughs> podcast community, and um, our topics are, we're basically the number one podcast uh, CrossFit podcast out there. Yeah, in uh, Vandalia, Ohio. Yeah, yeah I just want to watch out for any friends. <laughs> Stuff sucks. Um, Coming for you, Rich. Yeah, what's up? And um, we're basically a Matt Frazier, a podcast. <laughs> we're coming to take your title. And 
No, I thought it'd be cool to revisit uh, one of our episodes that you would deem your favorite. Okay, there's been several people that reached out on numerous of our episodes and uh, maybe share that with a friend on social media and tag them that does not listen to our podcast because you know we're all about that world dominance and we, uh, we're trying to really take over the world in, in the podcast scene. We, and we have to do it one listener at a time, so we need your help, guys. Look, man. If we add one person a day for like 10 years. That's we'll a lot have, of listeners. We'll have a freaking army, bro. <laughs> You'll be like 95, <laughs> but we'll, <laughs> before you go, we're yeah. going to have an army of podcasts. We'll listeners. have a legion of listeners. That's right. So go ahead and uh, like bro said, take one of those old episodes, share it with one of your buddies. And uh, also don't forget to tag us in that hashtag OMR fam. Hashtag world domination. You know, that hashtag Omar fam's taken off. I mean, it's filling up. It's sort of like, I got a new hashtag that I got f- named after me. It's called, it's a hashtag picks by bro. And <laughs> basically when I take uh, Jenna's camera at events and I take pictures, uh, people use all my photos for profile pics on social media. Okay. And it's pissing her off. Like, <laughs> I'm serious. And uh, so I, I started this tag called hashtag picks by bro. And it's actually starting to get some traction. Our members are using it, and she don't even have a hashtag for her photography business. <laughs> so, um, and then uh, Eric, who we have on today, uh, I tried to undercut Jenna and get the... Um, to be the, his photographer? The, yeah, the contract to be the photographer for his wedding. <laughs> I totally lowballed it just so Jenna didn't get it. Um, but I guess they want Someone who or is technically certified in photography. Yeah, and someone, who, mean, if, someone, if someone's if not using to, an iPhone. Yeah, would, if it was up to me, I would win with you. I appreciate I that. <laughs> yeah. He said that it really wasn't. He don't even really care about the quality. He just wants pictures. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like I got you, bro. I can get you some blurry stuff <laughs> all day. So with us today is Eric May. He is a physical licensed physical therapist, and he does some work with athletes here at CrossFit Access. But um, let's let him introduce himself. So Eric, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so I have been out of school now for about five years. So I've been a PT for five years and I started out in the normal insurance realm and then realized that I love lifting weights and I wanted to work <laughs> with other people that like lifting weights. Okay. So I kind of went more towards the CrossFit community and started doing my own thing. And so now that's my main focus. So originally it was more like the rehabilitative type physical therapy. Yeah. Your typical outpatient where you're seeing... Nothing. There's nothing wrong with treating 70 year old knee replacements, Mm -hmm. but just not for me. Mm -hmm. Or hip replacement in Noah's case. Yeah, Yeah, my case, Uh, hip replacements. Yeah. And so you have a practice here locally, or where Uh, are you? Yeah. So I'm out of Vandalia, Troy region. So uh, I don't really, I don't really have a set up shop type place. Traditional brick and mortar. Well, he's basically like nowhere in particular. He's a nomad. He's a nomad. Nomad PT. PT. My car looks like I'm homeless. (laughs) (laughs) He's not. He can live here. We got the loft. Yeah. a little warm. But she got, he's going to have to fight Jenna, though. Yeah. Yeah, Jenna, you're, you're, you're evicted. <laughs> She's going to have to move to a beanbag. Eric's so much cooler. And tell us a little about your fitness background. Uh, so I've always been more into powerlifting. I played baseball in college. Uh, actually, I played baseball because I hated running sports. So I wanted something you could run 90 feet and take a 90 break. feet at a time. That's true. I actually quit basketball because uh, we had to run so much. So it, I went into powerlifting where you can do three reps and then take a five minute rest break. Yeah, have a donut. So, yeah. yeah. Bring yep. your heart rate down. Yeah. It's <laughs> Get those carbs in between lifts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've always been more into powerlifting. Awesome. So, today, uh, the reason why we have Eric here is we want to give you the opportunity to ask a PT, ask yeah. a physical therapist, like, what's going on? What's down? What can you do 
to make yourself better, what you need to do to rehab yourself. And also a lot of the things that people don't think about, which we mentioned in the mobility episode, is the preventative aspect mm-hmm. of utilizing a PT. Yeah, so, even though you guys can't ask them, we're going to ask them. We're going to ask them, yeah. yeah. Just, we're asking them. We're asking for you. So as a PT, uh, what are your thoughts on CrossFit? You said you're a powerlifter. Okay. So CrossFit specifically, because that's kind of what this show is centralized around. Well, you know, what, what's your feelings on CrossFit? Uh, as it relates to like injury? No, just anything. Or, or just in general? Yeah. Um, I think, obviously, I think it's one of the biggest, I would say, movements in the past however many years. I think it's been awesome. It's gotten like the Olympic lifts a lot more recognized. Mm-hmm. And just uh, it's gotten people that were previously thinking I can't do stuff related to fitness now into fitness and mm-hmm. then serious about it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is good for all ages of, of life. So as far as, as far as injuries go, I think it's gotten a bad name, but we can talk on that. Okay. Inappropriately bad name. <laughs> yeah. But, um, well, I mean, and give a little background. He just moved down South from, he was up North at, we're Medina. Yep. And he was inside of an actual CrossFit gym where he worked with their members. Yep. And that's kind of, I guess, where he kind of got attracted to working with athletes, which in my opinion, if I was to ever, if I say I went back to school for PT, I'd mm-hmm. be like 95 when I graduated, <laughs> basically Mo's age. And, uh, but um, that's what I would want to get into because I think that's pretty cool that uh, I think as much as CrossFit has helped the weight, uh, Olympic weightlifting, mm-hmm. I think treatment wise, it's open doors for chiropractic and PT. Hmm. And massage therapists as well, because people put a copious amounts of work into themselves, okay, as far as getting fit, but along that process, the rehab portion they, the, we're, we're the, horrible at that right and, yeah. the, and if you look at the maintenance from back when games first started to now, what athletes do on a, a weekly for recovery basis, for yeah. recovery and um, preventative things and stability things, I think it's also open that door to i mean i'm seeing more pts involved in crossfit now than i had ever five years ago that's for sure not saying they're doing it but they're they're part of the community per se mm-hmm. so that's kind of where he came from where was up north if you want to talk about that a little bit yeah so started out and just went at just kind of the same approach i was looking for crossfit athletes to work with so the funny thing is you tell people you work with CrossFit athletes and the first thing they say is, oh, because they get injured all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, or because they bust their ass. And if I have them do things for rehab, they actually do it. So <laughs> it's an interesting concept. Really? If that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So um, so we're more compliant, you feel? Uh, well, yeah. Really? So, yeah. How about that? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So, um, and obviously that's a huge part of it is what, not just what I can do for you, but the knowledge I can give you to then do things on your own. Um, so yeah, up north, I kind of started that process and I wasn't sure how it would go. Mm-hmm. So just as you start any business, let's see how it goes. And it just kind of took off a little bit. Is so, there any reason why you particularly wanted to target CrossFitters? Because you, you're not a CrossFitter, right? No, no. Um, I would actually, honestly, the, the powerlifting community would be good, but CrossFit is just a lot more prevalent. Okay. So it's just easier to get access to those people. Just, vo- um, just a numbers game. Yeah. Like if you were to say, hey, where's the nearest powerlifting gym? I'd be like, uh, I have no idea. Dirty so gym is the only thing that comes yeah, to mind, really. Dayton. Yeah. So, yeah, CrossFit, there's just it's a lot more. Shout out to Drake Von Lichtenstein. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of, so you, you've been doing this for five years. In, in terms of serious injuries as it relates to athletes, what kind of things do you normally see? Whether it be powerlifters or just any, any other type of athlete versus your normal, like you said, insurance uh, work. 
serious would really be none. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a lot of your serious. I mean, even if you want to go like, hey, I tore my ACL more serious. Um, mm-hmm. I've never seen a CrossFit athlete. Not that it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a CrossFit athlete with an ACL tear. High school football players? Yeah. But okay. um, as far as serious accidents go or injuries, I've, you've never seen any. It's more typically more of an overuse or like a movement pattern dysfunction mm-hmm. or something that they just kind of over a period of time get injured. It's more of a, a chronic thing as okay. opposed to like an acute, like a specific fast acting accident or something. Yeah. Okay. Like, like my, I've never seen anybody that just completely like their back is just gone. It's more like, Hey, over time, my back started to get sore. Then it's whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then you just need to correct movement patterns, mobility, whatever it is. So, I mean, yeah, you're not, it's not like people are coming in from CrossFit community, like just destroyed, destroyed. like, okay. yeah, like a huge, injury well you know and this is a one of the misconceptions is um <laughs> let's say uh give me an example our trainer evan he had to have his knee replaced mm-hmm. he's young to get his knee replaced and uh um, he's actually he got up pretty mobile pretty quick after his surgery too yeah but uh so he had posted a picture on a social media and he's not like big into social media mm-hmm. and one of the very first questions, like, did you do that at CrossFit? CrossFit yeah. yeah, dude. I did something. I have my complete knee replacement at CrossFit. I was squatting and my I went in. I did some double unders. Out. Boom. I needed yeah. a knee replacement. And this is what happens. The, if you do CrossFit and people that you know that don't do CrossFit and you get injured, they think it's from CrossFit. When mm-hmm. 99% of the time, it's from something outside of CrossFit. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, it's, it's the weirdest stuff. It, bending over to pick something up or tripping and falling because you drank too much. I don't know. <laughs> like there's so many other ways you can injure yourself, but it's always instantly referred to CrossFit. Yeah. You know how many, uh, rotator cuff repairs, knee replacements I've seen from CrossFit in the insurance model in three years. Zero. It's zero. Yeah, okay. it is. So I mean, so, obviously, obviously they may be out there, but the majority is, yeah, you're right. They're, they're not there. Are there any other sports or types of activities that you tend to see more injuries as a result of? I mean, if you look at, if you want to go like research-based, powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, and CrossFit actually have some of the lowest injury rates in the population of sporting events. Do you have any opinion on why that is? uh, I just feel like, uh, I don't even know. Uh, Well, it could be a numbers game once again. I think, obviously, there's less CrossFitters than there are high school football players or collegiate athletes, I would say, across the, the world. But I think... Something that you might be able to tie into is if you look at weightlifting, uh, we talked about uh, weightlifters spend just as much time mobilizing, mobilizing and becoming flexible as they do actually lifting. So they put the same amount of work in because it's critical to their sport. Mm-hmm. And during the mobility episode, we talked about people don't want to invest the time into it, but they want it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they invest the time into it. Now, in all honesty, weightlifters are notorious for becoming injured, but that's part of the sport when you're, when you're working between that 70 and 85% yep. of your max every single day. On a routine day. basis. Yeah. And, and that goes that threshold principle that yeah. you talked about where, you know, if you're at that advanced level, you've got to run that fine line where yeah. overtraining and not training enough. Yep. You don't train enough. You, you, you don't, your numbers don't improve. You don't get confident mm-hmm. at your, your, your numbers you need to hit at nationals or, or worlds or whatever. And then if you train too much, you become injured. Um, but that's just, that's, it's a sport. It's part of the game. It's, and I think I hate that about CrossFit is we train every day and sometimes you do get nicked up like mm-hmm. my, my shoulder, just something weird happened. Well, and, like I told you about my, uh, my hamstring yeah. last night, just something funky. Nothing crazy. Yeah. But then you get these 
high school, college athletes, these gymnasts, any other sport, and they get injured, and it's like, oh, it's just part of the sport. Mm-hmm. I'm like, <laughs> look, <laughs> what are we? Like, yeah. people hate CrossFit. Or not people. A lot of people hate CrossFit, and they don't know why they hate it, but they'll, they'll take any opportunity to- Take to, a dig. Yeah. To, like he said, to take a, like, um, people, there's a misconception on injury stemming from CrossFit. And I think it's like anything else. Even as it relates to PTs, you could say, well, I went to a PT and they, they sucked. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe you went to that one, but not right. all. Just like CrossFit, you may Across find, the spectrum. You may find one that it isn't the best, it isn't the most well-coached, but you can't have that blanket comment then that they all, yeah. that they all suck. Which we've talked cool. about is you can go to a doctor and they're, you're not as impressed with them as, mm-hmm. as far as it, it's any profession. You're not always going to have the best in that profession. CrossFit's definitely the same way. Agreed. And especially since we're so, for lack of a better term, unregulated. Mm-hmm. Uh, the variability, I mean, it, it, it has to exist. Yep. Now, is, in your professional opinion, is CrossFit dangerous? No, I think, and I, I'll always say this, no exercise is inherently dangerous. It's either how you perform it or you're not mobile enough for it. But that's like saying, you could say, well, I hurt myself on a power clean. Power cleans are dangerous for me. Well, no, they're not. They're not for 99% of the other population. It's just how you performed it or you weren't ready for it or whatever it is. So when so you say move, perform, you're talking about like mechanics? Yeah, mechanics of it. You aren't. Yeah, or you, yeah. You most can of dev- mecha- and you can say deadlift is probably one of the most pre- prevalent things that people say they become injured on is like, I'm not going to deadlift because I hurt my back. Mm-hmm. Well, did you hurt your back because you deadlifted or did you hurt your back because you deadlifted improperly? Yeah. I mean, I think that's. Oh yeah, of, oh yeah. Go go try to lift the couch, and if you do it incorrectly, then you could say, "Well, lifting the couch." Like, <laughs> well, hell, groceries. You yeah. Know? So, like a buddy of mine, he uh, slipped a disc. He was getting out of his doctor's chair. He sat up and twisted, and boom. You know? Damn doctor's mo. I'm telling you. <laughs> so yeah, no no exercise is inherently dangerous. That's why I just okay. hate the comment of like, "Oh, you're doing CrossFit. Yeah, you shouldn't do that." Well, that's, I feel like that's a bit over the top. Yeah, then you shouldn't cross the street either. Yeah, that's it's like driving a car. Driving a car can be dangerous. Yeah, if you're a dumbass about it. <laughs> I just so I mean anything can be dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. And of the athletes that come to you, it's probably safe to assume that some of these conditions are a result of things they have done in the past prior to CrossFit. Yeah, because how long would you say like your average? like CrossFit lifespan here, Brody, for your athletes? Man, it's got to be over two years. So it's relatively low. I like, mean, kind of, sort of. I mean, I don't know how many, if, if we had 50% of our members are two, two years plus, mm-hmm. and then another 30 are three to four years plus, that's pretty good, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think what Mo's getting at is um, – what I see uh, when I have a training course, right, um, in our athlete training course, they come in and they could have played sports or whatever. When ver- Our very first uh, day in the training course is a squat series, so air squat, front squat, back squat, overhead squat. And through this, we demonstrate the air squat, and people think it's simple, but I've seen some really messed up air squats. <laughs> and I'm like, is that how you take down- sit down and take a shit? I don't understand. <laughs> like, why are you on your toes? <laughs> and uh, and uh, so through these assessments – uh, what I find and what most kind of tapping on is you find people who come in that are doing CrossFit, but they lack the um, skills or the um, mobility or just anything mechanics, mechanics. Yes. Yeah. They like the mechanics to come in. So when they start coming into CrossFit and we're constantly varied, right? 
So when they come into that, they're achieving positions that their body can achieve, but they lack the mobility or flexibility to do so. And they don't know that until we assess them. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's, that's, what's good about our training courses. We get to see them move, see their movement patterns, make corrections. Like I think one of the biggest things, like you, you tell someone to squat below 90 degrees and I would say 60% of the people that I get in here, they can't even do that Mm -hmm. their first day. And if, but if I have them take out a, a full step with their left and right leg wider to create more room for their hips to sit down into, they can achieve it. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Usually I think tight hip flexors is a major factor in that because there's only so much room the hips can sit into. And as soon as we take that wider and give them more room, look, they easily hit 90 degrees. So I kind of want to touch on something bro just mentioned. He's talking about his athlete on ramp um, is what it's traditionally known as. As someone who's coming new to CrossFit, do you think there's value in a in, a, in an on ramp or a, in an orientation type uh, process? It's funny because before Bird, before you even went into that, I was going to start mentioning that. I think which me, with mentioning like the pre existing condition thing, mm-hmm. um, you're getting people that that they're already coming to you with poor shoulder mobility, and then you have them come in and let's say that they do some shoulder presses and they injure their shoulder. It wasn't the presses; it was the fact that they came in lacking mobility. Mm -hmm. So that's where the biggest thing that you could do as a coach is screen that at the beginning and then know what to target when they start doing their work. Mm -hmm. So you know, hey, you have a mobility deficit overhead. Let's target that with XYZ, this mobility, and then we'll be able to get to that overhead as opposed to just throwing them right into it and then not knowing, can they go there? Can they not? And then they get injured. And there's there's a couple reasons why uh, myself and Angie are the only two that do it out of all of our trainers. Consistency. Well, I don't, I don't have a, if, if I tell our trainers a pathway, they will follow that pathway mm-hmm. and we'll be consistent across the board. We do with all of our other classes. The reason is a couple of reasons. One, we get to know all of our new members mm-hmm. uh, on a personal basis, but more importantly, we learn everything about them, how they move, what they can and cannot do, what their modifications need to be coming out of the training course, what mobility want, we want them to have them target, you know, when they come in before the next training course class. Um, you know, because the biggest one that we have coming out of the training course is really day one is overhead squat. You know, I mean, people can't overhead squat a PVC, a PVC pipe properly. I mean, it's, it's astronomical. But I think even more so onto that, how many people have ever done any kind of overhead squat? Right. But if you think about it, we're talking about something that weighs ounces. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we're doing an air squat. We're just holding it something that's a couple ounces above our head. And they may have a, the greatest air squat, mm-hmm. but they can't overhead squat a PVC pipe because their shoulder, like he's saying, they're coming the, the in. shoulders with some, are wrecked, yeah. Say they come in, they're completely uh, rounded forward, mm-hmm. okay, and their pecs are whatever, are really tight, and they're, they have that big shoulder, you know, inward pronation, whatever. And next time you tell them to go overhead, they can't. Mm-hmm. If they do, the PVC pipe's in front of their forehead, and it's not, you know, directly up. Uh, from the traps and slightly behind the head. The, the other thing I think you do really well at here is, so let's say you take them through that screen and their mobility is good, then understanding proper loading through a period of time. So not just hammering them. You, I feel like you do really well at, if they need to like deload a little bit and then learn the skill yeah. with that load and then progress it steadily over time. And I think you do really well at that. And sometimes that might get lost at some gyms and then you lead to what some people would call an overuse injury. And I would actually call an underuse injury because they're just not trained enough. It's not that the load is that heavy. It's just that they're not prepared for it. Right. I think that's something that's really cool. You said that because 
not because he said something good about me, but <laughs> <laughs> that uh, I think uh, if you if you make these huge jumps, okay, uh, okay, let's say uh, Eric hits a twenty five pound PR in a squat, right, and then over an eight or the next eight weeks, he squats maybe five times, okay, through that eight weeks, and does very limited work at his new percentage. When he comes to do his next test, right, because say he missed a lot of the cycle, the next mm-hmm. cycle, his body is definitely not going to be ready for that 25 no. pounds because now his max is, say it was 300, which is much more than that, mm-hmm. and he hit 325. So his next, he's going to be targeting 335 for his next PR. Mm-hmm. There's but. no, there's no way his body's going to be ready. Just like he said, because, and that is where you will get those severe knee cave because the glutes haven't been developed mm-hmm. and the hamstrings and, um, uh, haven't been developed. The, I mean, the core, even your core strength may be completely lacking to handle that load that it, you need to brace for. And what happens is when, you know, weight will find the body is the body's weakest point mm-hmm. and then expose the, the hell weight don't it. lie yeah. no it will it will cause your knees to you know swim in yep. and you're freaking you know doing the tootsie roll <laughs> 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 like uh, yeah everybody driving right, right now yeah. you know exactly I, what i was I'm about to do about. it yeah <laughs> and uh but no he's right i think if you don't develop uh the that athlete's um progression slowly right percentage mm-hmm. based weight uh Appropriate loading. Appropriate loading. Yeah. Reps as well. Because you can't, you know, powerlifting and CrossFit is a little bit different where they work at a heavier sets, mm-hmm. right, for longer period of time, right? So they may hit really heavy singles, really heavy doubles where mm-hmm. we're hitting like 60, 70, 75, 80%. We're going for the volume, volume. of yeah. 25 reps over those four sets. So it's a little bit different. But yeah, if you don't load properly, your body will definitely not be ready. So another issue that we talked about during the mobility. <clears throat> so another aspect of, ah, shit. So something we else we talked about during the mobility episode is, was talking about mobilizing before or after the workout. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? So I used to, I used to really crush it after I would work out. Um, and then I started looking at, not that everybody looks at research in the spare time, but, uh, I don't really have a life for many hobbies. So I do. <laughs> So the research would show, um, and not that research means everything, but um, if you look at it, mobility, the best way to put it, mobility is a tool to give you a window of opportunity to access your full range of motion. So if I roll out my quad, my hip flexors, hamstrings, and I can perform a much more, I guess, fluid, easy, free-moving squat, Mm -hmm. and then I come back the next day, before I roll, I will be stiff again. So then you have to do the same thing over again. So that mobility allows you a period of time that your, your muscles feel a bit more loose, your essentially your nervous system is more calm um, mm-hmm. and it's just allowing you to go through motion. So doing it beforehand, then you're able to access good positions during your workout. And then afterwards I may do some, but not a ton. So technically if you mobilize afterwards and then you go to your car, you just made improvements in your mobility for to drive a, a half an hour to then go home. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, yeah, the majority of mobility, I know Brody does a lot of that here um, is done beforehand. And then your long-term changes in mobility. So like, let's say you have trouble squatting. You mobilize a little bit, rolling, whatever it may be. And then you perform full depth, like appropriate, good quality squats. That is what's going to lead to long-term mobility to you being able to squat more, is squatting better, more. So how much time would you 
I know there's an ideal state. Like, you know, probably you want your athletes to mobilize like 30 minutes before a workout. But what's that sweet spot where you're going to get the benefit of mobilization to go into that particular this workout? Is a good, this is a good topic, too, because yeah. there's controversy in this. Oh, too. really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Stretching before you work out. And how long? And how long prior and how long before you should do mobility because they say it turns your muscles off. Your, your body um, come, become, you can actually start becoming tired. I, okay, I that's fair. I, I don't know what, it's, what it releases, so, but. Yeah, so there's a big thing here too, um, and they've done a ton of research on this. So you're talking static stretching. So propping your hamstring up, stretching it out for 30 seconds. The stuff we did in junior high school PE. Yeah, bingo. Okay. Yeah, but nobody gets injured anyway because you're <laughs> like Gumby. So anyway, so you do a hamstring stretch or something like that, and then they'll have you, they, they have in research, they'll have them do a vertical jump, and they'll show that their vertical jump height is decreased. So then people mm. will say, oh my God, there's a serious decrease in your muscle output. So then you can't static stretch before you work out. Mm-hmm. So then they realize, is that true? So if you think about it, though, most people static stretch if they do, and then they'll go into more of a dynamic active type of warm up. Dynamic meaning? Um, whether it's like lunges or like walking, whatever, soldiers, something just like okay. an active type dynamic movement. Okay. If that makes sense. Uh, so kind of getting your heart rate up while yes, doing yeah, some increasing mobilization. Blood flow. Okay. Yeah, stuff like that. More of like, yeah, just an active type movement as opposed to a static hold for 30 seconds. Okay. And if you do that, then it actually decrease or negates the decrease in power that you would have lost i don't know if that made sense yeah so then it would decrease it takes away the decrement in or the decrease in your loss of power output okay anyway so basically if you do that then you're fine static stretching go to dynamic and then go into your workout okay so in an ideal state like how would you recommend doing that um i've actually cut out most of static but if you do static i would go static or I would do like foam rolling mobility as far as like lacrosse ball and mm-hmm. then static stretching and then dynamic and then into like your movement prep mm-hmm. activities. So you're going more from a like passive modality where you're just laying there on the foam roller or moving and then you're graded, like kind of graded going up towards more active, more active into your workout. And how, how soon prior to the workout beginning would you recommend so in that, your opinion? Um, yeah. I would say within 30 minutes, okay. but that's, that's different for everybody too. You'll have people that, and everybody's different. And this is why it's good to not just go through the motions with your mobility. Um, if you get the same results from 30 minutes of mobility as you do from 10, then I would recommend just doing 10 minutes of mobility. It's like taking two aspirin or taking 10. If two takes the (laughs) headache away, why would you want to take 10? Okay. That's fair. So, and that's paying attention to your your body. body. And I I never really appreciated all this until I went to that USAW course and they had us lifting an empty barbell for about four hours. And I was like, I didn't know you'd get tired from just doing mobility. Yeah. I, what he said was very key. I think listening to your body, I think from what I've noticed and, and seen is and I, through the mobility episode, I talked about, um, I've tried everything. I've tried static. I've tried, um, active. I've tried, uh, mobility. Then I've tried combining the two. I'm trying to find, is there, is there a thing that works for everybody? <laughs> Yeah, what's the magic pill? Well, and that's the thing is like, I'm trying to find out what works for everybody because it's not just me. I know what works for me Mm because I know my body. I need to know what happens. Because you're old man mobility. Grandpa mobility, (laughs) I know. And, uh, but I needed, I want to know what works for the majority. So I would run our classes through it Mm -hmm. as as a trial. So I have a bigger sample size. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I found through that is there's not one magic pill for everybody. But what I can do and what I found that I truly believe in is exactly what he just said is mobility, uh, stretching, active warm up, 
get ready for your, uh, your strength portion. And I found that when you do that, it's, I've seen people when they're in a static stretch, they're like, they can, or when they're doing no mobility, they have a lot of issues with their tissue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> issues with the tissue. Yeah. And <laughs> that's actually a coin term. Is it? Yeah. And PT. Oh. It's legit. You're way ahead of the game. <laughs> Damn, dude. OG. No. Anyways, when I see people doing mobility, I see that a lot, a lot of people are having this, some really tight spots, really a lot of soreness. And then when we go into the static portion, okay, and, when, and through that tightness of soreness, they come in and they say, hey, bro, um, when I squat, it hurts out on the outside part of my quad. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. This is what I recommend. When they do that, they re- like he said, it's given them a window of opportunity. Then we go into a stretching portion to elongate that tissue. Because I, I don't know. I always say I'm not a doctor. I'm not. But in case you didn't know. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I believe in breaking up the tissue and then trying to elongate it. Uh, that's what I go by. So once we do those two things and we go into an active warm-up and get the blood flow, now they're able to achieve a position that they were not able to achieve prior to starting that process. And in return, their risk of injury gets decreased by a lot. I don't even know the percentage, right? Mm-hmm. And then their, their sets are better. They're getting stronger because they can achieve and hold a position through the entire lift. They're activating the right muscles because that's what people don't understand is if I tell you to squat, right? Like we've talked about, mm-hmm. your body will squat no matter how messed up your mechanics are. You will squat down, mm-hmm. okay? But is it safe? No, mm-hmm. it's not safe. And when we start getting into heavier, heavier loads, we know that when we're in our 80% plus, if we're not spot on technique wise, we pay for it. And that's where that injury can the occur. The pains and right. all that that's stuff. What, that's what happens. It's just, it's your 80 to 85%. And it's not always a one rep. Everybody always thinks you get hurt on a one rep. I've seen more people tweak something on their 80, 85% because it's at a higher set number, mm-hmm. right? And they're now getting injured because they did not take the proper precautions leading into it. With CrossFitters specifically, do you see any area that uh, we stress out more than others? Shoulder, number one. So okay. it would be shoulder followed closely, yeah, kind of closely by knee, and then a distant third would be low back. And that's pretty much, if you listen to any of like the PTs who work with CrossFit athletes across the nation, that would be their top three. Shoulders, number one, then knees, then low back. So... So you hear that, guys? Mobilize those shoulders. Well, hold on. It's not just mobile. It's yeah. not, I think we're not talking about mobility here. Oh, okay. So right? what are we talking about here? Well, it, it, I say some of it is, okay. but I think he can really touch on what a major issue that we found since he, um, so if you don't know this, Eric walked into our gym and I thought he was dropping in for a CrossFit class. <laughs> and he was just asking like about working. He just yeah. randomly dropped in here. And then that's how all this actually occurred. Like, oh, you, you don't want to work out? He's like, he's like I'm a powerlifter, bro. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and uh, no, but that's kind of how this all transferred. And it's been pretty cool to, this is something I've really wanted uh, about two and a half years ago to have someone that I could have access to. I don't mean in a, in a weird way, but that could come in and I could directly give them athletes that I know that I could not help. Okay. Right. And then him be here for appointments. And I thought it was really cool. But uh, one thing he's really incorporated almost instantly into us, it wasn't the mobility because we do a, a ton of that. It was what? Stability. Stability. Okay. Oh, in the kettlebell thing. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I, go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah. So the best example I can give is, so if you have shoulder pain, 
um, and you just are keep you, you just mobilize, mobilize, mobilize. It never gets better. It, you may be going about the right. I guess you're addressing the right area, but with the wrong solution. Okay. So mobility, stability are usually on two different ends of the spectrum. Your super mobile people would be, let's take like a 12 year old female gymnast. They're going to have a ton of mobility and they have really poor stability. Okay. Um, their joints, everything is just super lax. You go on the opposite end of the spectrum, not to pick out 60 year old males, but your 60 year old male is going to have a lot of stability typically, but no mobility. Okay. You want an even nice mix, especially for CrossFit where you're doing so many different movements um, you need stability through the movement, but you have to have mobility to access end ranges of motion in things like an overhead squat. So with that, if, uh, if I see a lot of, like, a, let's say I have a 25-year-old female who has shoulder pain overhead, usually your 25-year-old females are, are pretty mobile. So you can take them and do mobility testing overhead, and they're totally fine. So why do they have shoulder pain then if everything from thoracic, everything is fine mobility? A lot of times it's stability. Okay. So if you're trying to hold weight overhead, your shoulder has to be stable in the joint. Otherwise, it's going to get a little bit of extra movement. Things are going to start hitting that shouldn't be hitting. And then mm -hmm. you have pain, not as a result of mobility. So for the stability specifically, what are some things we can do to overcome that lack of stability? So the best way to look at it is if, uh, and there are a bunch of different ones, most of them involve kettlebells, but um, the concept is if you want your shoulder, your rotator cuff, everything, all the muscles inside of your shoulder, to start making their own stability, you have to create instability outside with an implement, so a dumbbell, a kettlebell, whatever. So by that I mean, let's say that you put a kettlebell upside down and are doing shoulder press with it. The way that the kettlebell is unstable in your hand, mm -hmm. naturally your rotator cuff and all the, shoulder, all the shoulder muscles have to stabilize your shoulder in order to keep it from falling over. So when you say upside down, you mean like grab the handle, invert it overhead, Okay. And just holding that and stabilizing. Yep. So like okay. a bottoms up. So I guess okay. if I had to pick three, like a bottoms up kettlebell, like an overhead carry, mm -hmm. um, you could do like half Turkish get up bottoms up. Mm -hmm. Um, you can do shoulder presses, bottoms up. You can, there's yeah. So just find a way to add instability through a kettlebell and then work on like an overhead position. So if you want to get more stable in your overhead position, work on your overhead position with instability training. Nice. And I tell you, it's, it's one of those things <laughs> when he said this, it's one of those things like, man, I'm so stupid. <laughs> like, why didn't I even think? It, I, I knew about it, stability, but I never. Simple, but yeah, it's simple, but not something you've just ever implemented. I've never, imp yeah, like on a regular basis, right? And I think that's where I look at myself. I'm like, man, you're so dumb. Like, why would you not do that when you know stability is a major factor? Mm -hmm. Hell, we have crossover symmetry, but like, I didn't think out beyond that, mm -hmm. right? I didn't think. That's, I guess, that can help with stability. It's, it can strengthen your rotator muscles as well. But I never thought of that. And, and just like, it's, it's like when you see someone that create and invent something and, and they like, make millions of it. dollars yeah. and you're like, dude, I thought of that 15 yeah. years ago. I and thought of the pooper scooper when I was 12 years right? old. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of like how this is. I don't, I don't get money for it, but what I do get out of it is my athletes are now going to be more stable in certain positions because I think stability and CrossFit is, in my opinion, what causes CrossFit injuries. It's not overuse per se i see it more as we're at a fatigue state we're at the end of a workout we're lacking mm -hmm. stability okay and then we're say we're hitting the full snatch and it's our last couple because when i typically see people injured it's at the very end not mm -hmm. the beginning at the very end of the workout and it's because we're not stable in a fatigue state and we kind of become laxed okay and instead of our body being able to respond and hold that out of habit it can't because it's an unstable platform. I know we stated it earlier in the show, but 
you shouldn't wait till you get injured to go see a PT, right? Yeah, I would, I would agree. That's and, like, and why is that? Um, I feel like if you can, if you can address your movement issues, like if you have certain spots with immobility, if you can address those prior to the issue coming up, mm-hmm. then you would essentially like get to where you don't even face the issue. It's like waiting on preventative like, maintenance. Yeah. It's like waiting to put oil in your car till it starts smoking. <laughs> like it, nobody ever does that, but nobody would ever think to like see somebody about maybe I have some movement issues and need a screen prior to hurting. We usually hurt and then we go. Okay. Which that's is crazy, cool. right? I mean, yeah. it definitely should be the opposite. And I think that's where the PT scene has kind of jumped into the CrossFit scene is people are seeing the benefits of the preventative things mm-hmm. so they can train more often, more frequently. More uptime. That's, yeah, yeah because it is, it's volume is not everything. Proper volume is everything. And it's, that's where people get lost. Like, oh, I got up my volume so I can go to regionals. Uh, bro, you can up your volume by 10,000. You're not going to go because what you're doing is completely wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. It's wrong. It, wrong is wrong, Mo. Like, I don't know how, is that Whether simple? it's one rep or 50 reps, yeah, it's, it's wrong. It is wrong. Like, uh, I was wanting to really dig into his brain because I don't think it's, 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 it's much research and, and stuff reading I've done on mobility, flexibility, all that stuff. One thing that I have never even seen talked about is the neurological side of stability. Okay. And I would love for him to kind of touch on that. All right. So, uh, the nervous system essentially controls everything and not that the average person gives a shit about the nervous system, <laughs> but, um, except you, when they're hey, hot or cold. No, so, you will yeah. when it, when it happens. Yeah. So a big thing with that is let's say you have somebody who was, uh, like, let's take a herniated disc in your low back, for example. And they'll say that they come in and they still have low back pain. And I'll say, well, how long has it been? It's been two years. All right. <laughs> if you look at the research, uh, again, in 12 months or so, that disc should actually scar over. So why are you still having pain? There's got to be something else going on, like a, either a movement or the fact that a lot of times what can happen is the body likes to continue whatever, whatever it's been doing. So if you've had pain signals going up to your brain for 12 months saying that every time I bend over, it's painful. If you, let's say you even have surgery then on the disc. Um, or it's healed, pretty soon your body associates bending over with pain, regardless of whether there's actually anything threatening your body or not. So part of it is actually working on, I guess, removing your body's sensation of pain or the fear of pain by performing active movements. Right. It's, so It's uh, crazy. Yeah, so uh, you almost have to reverse, uh, reverse that cycle. So, and then you can even have uh, pain with the anticipation of movement. So they're done lo- looking at that too. So if somebody... If they normally have pain when they bend over, they'll actually see that they have a little bit of increased pain with the anticipation of bending over. Okay. So that's where, that's where um, even like PT can come in handy with certain things, but then also just teaching like proper movements again and proper movement quality. And I want to back that up before we push on. I, w- I still want to talk about this because I think it's something that I've never heard of. He just said in order to get something from hurting, you must perform a movement that you think is going to hurt it. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's to me, it that sounds counterintuitive. It, it's counterintuitive. And I think that's what people, um, well, it hurts when I squat. Well, he may give you things to do that involve squatting. And in return, what it's going to do, it's going to tell your body's okay to squat your brain that mm-hmm. it's okay to squat because it is okay to squat. But you have to tell you have to convince, you have to convince your, your body. You have to yeah. convince your brain that you're okay to squat, and mm-hmm. you don't want to do that because it hurts the squat technically. Yeah, and so 
not obviously if you if your rotator cuff is just completely shredded, you can't really like overcome that. It's just <laughs> gone. But yeah, in, in some instances, you just you you need to retrain your body to not be threatened in certain positions. So yeah, like with the with the herniated disc example, if it's been that long, you actually need to start working into things that you think are going to be painful and gradually progress into it. Don't just like hammer through, but you need to start to progress into those positions. You get there, your body realizes, okay, all right, shit, nothing's wrong here. Mm-hmm. So then you can it's go okay. even further. I'm not going to die. You can yeah. go even further, which is the same essentially with like stretching. Mm-hmm. If you stretch, your body senses there's a big threat. It tightens. It says that that muscle's tight, and then you get the stretch longer, and your body says, okay, nothing's wrong, and then it allows you to stretch even further. Mm. So the neurological aspect of it, of a lot that we do, is huge. It was crazy because, uh, and I'll use me as an example, and have another athlete of ours that I can use. So I kind of injured myself. Uh, Two weeks. When was that? Was oh, that two, no, three, last weekend. Three weeks ago. No. Yeah, at uh, Endeavor. Endeavor. Yeah. Is that three, three weeks? Yeah. No. Almost. It's Wednesday, dude. What? It's almost three weeks ago. No, it's not. Yeah. It's, it's our last competition. Two no, weeks ago. Because no, because la- la- last week you didn't have anything. The week before that was a Clash on the Concrete. Oh wait, no, no, no. You're yeah. right. It's two weeks. Because it was after Clash on the Concrete. Is what? The thirtieth. Yeah, not two, weeks. two weeks. Two weeks. So less than two weeks. Anyways, so <laughs> just kidding. Um, so a couple weeks ago when I was at Endeavor competing, I was doing a pretty basic workout. And then um, on a handstand hold, my arm completely went numb and gave out. And then I would go to do a pull up. Uh, my sensation going all the way down my arm, my fingertips were completely numb. Come to find out, it was my brachial plexus uh, nerve. Right. Yeah, all the bundles of nerves that go out of your out of your spinal cord to the arm. So all them bitches were pissed off, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and um, so in all honesty, we've had some needling. He's he's pulled out every kind of trick in his book the last couple weeks. I compete again this weekend, and including rest, which he doesn't like to prescribe, but it was it was something that he said, "Don't use your shoulder. Let's see if the nerves can kind of reset." Mm-hmm. Well, he ended up. We were working yesterday together, and he put me through a series of things. And then the last thing he did, he put me through a neurological test where it was very simple. Like, I would stand uh, with my shoulder towards the wall, extend my arm, and I had to put my hand flat against the wall in a straight, in a straight line. And I couldn't even put my palm onto the wall without my fingers going numb, mm-hmm. which is nuts, right? And my other arm, I could put my palm against the wall and completely open up. Like, think of a pec stretch. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're supposed to achieve. I couldn't even put my palm on the wall without my fingers going numb. So he put me through. He gave me a couple of things to try. So yesterday before we worked out, this is literally an, like an hour and a half after we worked together. I'd go through the series. Last thing I'd do was some, uh, like a kettlebell. It's not a Turkish get-up. What would you call that? We rotate the It's side. like rolling from your back to your side with the kettlebell, okay. like in an arm bar. So I was rolling from my, I had a kettlebell inverted overhead, single arm. And I'd roll from my back completely to my side and work some stability things. And I went through three rounds of this. And the first two rounds, my left arm, and this is only with the 26-pound kettlebell, um, my left arm was completely going left and right, swaying quite a bit. And I'd go to my right arm. Then went back to my left arm for the third round. It literally, I was telling him, it was like a, a light switch flipped. And I can, the kettlebell didn't move. Did not move. And prior to this, every single thing in my shoulder had hurt from my entire, all my rotators, my pec, my trap, my scalings, my SCM. Everything was jacked up. 
And then all of a sudden, because I showed that I'm okay and I showed my mind that I'm okay, Mm -hmm. a switch flipped and I had complete stability. And I walked in today and I was able to put my palm completely against the wall and turn like I was supposed to. So I think it's pretty crazy the impact you can have on your body by training in a position that they think is dangerous. And it shows that it's not dangerous mm-hmm. and it fixes it. It literally, that's all it was. Yeah. Freaking nuts. <laughs> that don't blow your mind that I don't know what the hell. Maybe I'm a geek, but shit, that was crazy to me. And lastly, before we wrap things up, this is a special <laughs> question from Brody. I wrote out the show notes, yeah. guys. Sorry. What is your opinion on telling a patient not to work out because they have injured themselves? I, did, did you ask me? Did I say that you should punch me in the face? <laughs> he did. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah I, I said he asked me about that uh, in kind of roundabout way, um, and I said, and I wasn't lying. I said, uh, if I ever tell one of your athletes that, you should just punch me in the face. I just uh, like yeah, we came so. b- we came best friends right at that point in time, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you have shoulder pain, I would say, first off, you have like 90% of your other body that you can use, which mm-hmm. is kind of important. And then <laughs> you can, there's a ton of, there's a ton of stuff that you should do for the shoulder still, unless your shoulder is literally falling off. There are tons of different things that you can do with it. So I just, uh, I guess that's the short of it. That mm-hmm. kind of pisses there's me off. There's other too. things you can do. Oh yeah. Yeah. You go to the doctor and they usually just say like, oh, well you just shouldn't do anything. Well, there are like 95% of things I can still do. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, I think in worst case scenario, if you are, if you, if you cannot use your arm for a legitimate reason, you can still squat. You can still squat, yep. Right? Or if, for like he's saying, mo- majority of the people, you can still do a lot with your arm. It may not be what you want to do, mm-hmm. right? But you may Which not- be a wa- problem for some of us. Yeah, you may not want to do upside down kettlebells at a 13-pound kettlebell. Mm-hmm. But if that's what it's going to take, then what are you bitching about? And I think that's something he did tie into CrossFitters is, without a doubt, CrossFitters want to work out, Okay. And mm-hmm. they, they want to go to a PT or chiropractic or whatever. They want to go in with an issue that they have. A, they want it fixed because they want to work out that day. Yeah. Right? And sometimes <laughs> it can't happen, but sometimes it can. They'll do anything they can to get back to where they can work out and do movement. They may hate snatches, Mo. Mm-hmm. They may hate snatches with a passion. But when they can't snatch, they want to snatch. They, yeah. I want to snatch now. But then they'll do anything to get back yeah. to snatching. So, Eric, is that where some of the compliance comes from, you think? Because yeah. the, the willingness, they want to get back on the floor? Yep, absolutely. Awesome, interesting. Okay, now, <laughs> the moment of truth. Whenever we have a guest on here, we like to subject them to three rounds for time. So I'm going to ask you three questions, and you just answer them as best you can. Don't mess them up. Oh, yeah, no. Ready? Not you. <laughs> Eric. First question. What are, sir, what, what's something that keeps you up at night? What are fears or concerns that you have? Uh, not gonna have enough money to pay my bills. It's reasonable. <laughs> is that legit? Is yeah, that's legit. Is that, is that that's reasonable? totally legit. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, yeah, that, that, I mean, I sleep fine though. <laughs> yeah, but that might yeah. be it. Yeah, I got you, bro. <laughs> yeah. When you're gone, what's something you want to be remembered for? Uh, helping people. Okay. And lastly, what is something in the world you would change? This is usually the one that stumps people. It is. Yeah. Everybody oh. hesitates usually. Even got Stu, and Stu don't stumble. Yeah, much. Stu don't stumble much. Yeah. Uh. Uh. The I I don't know. The first one I would go to is the lack of common sense. I guess if I'm just going like I'll just go with our country currently. Okay. La- can I do? That? Yeah, La- absolutely. The lack of hey, com- this is your answer, man. The lack of the lack of common sense that people use today. Uh, I'll leave people to interpret that however yeah, they wish. That's fair. And if, because, you, if yeah. you, need, you need help on interpreting that, just hit me up. I got you. <laughs> he knows what I mean. And because we are the One More Rep podcast, we also have uh, 
one extra bonus question. What is a special talent or a superpower that you have that no one knows about? Pretty much what uh, So in college, I learned how to bite into beer cans and <laughs> shotgun them. So I smash it over my head and then I bite into it. There but you go. Actually my, so I, I, I went to the dentist and they said that my front tooth was cracked and they asked if I'd had repeated trauma to my face. <laughs> Okay. It's true. Hey. Yeah, yeah, I have the crack, so. That's the that best one be we got yet. That is, that is that the best be one we've yeah. had so far. <laughs> All right, Eric, is there anything else you want to uh, tell our folks? Like, where can they find you on social media or physically or if they want to get a hold of you? Uh, how, how can they get your assistance? Jenna, would you like to answer this one? Jenna, I'll give you my address. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm on Facebook at Advanced Therapy and Performance and then Instagram, Advanced Therapy and Performance. And then my website is MiamiValleyPhysio.com. All right. So awesome. Those are the best places. Cool. Well, we appreciate you joining us here. In like the his loft. page. Hit him up. Yeah. Like his page. Hit him up. Also, don't forget that call to action. Go to one of your old favorite episodes. Tag one of your friends, family members with the hashtag OMRFam. And also Brody's favorite hashtag World Domination. We're taking over, baby. This has been the One More Rep Podcast. I'm Owen. I'm out. Later. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to the One More Rip Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at One More Rip Podcast or on Twitter at Can I Get One More or shoot us an email at Can I Get One More at gmail.com. Thank you, Jenna. So sweet. <laughs> can I get a refill? <laughs> <laughs> After she already walked back up, she's fit. She's our fittest female. <laughs> This is true. You are kind of Jack. In case no one's ever told you, you are you are kind of a badass. She was trying to um, convince Menda last night that she's fat. Oh, she's seven percent today. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. You totally letting yourself seven, go, dude. Yeah, I got seven percent. I got seven percent muscle. <laughs>